in this new year. We're going to get insight today from the teaching of Dr. John Whitcomb, our founder on this radio broadcast, Encounter God's Truth. His message will help us get a handle on this important concept. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, and on behalf of Whitcomb Ministries, I want to wish all of you a happy new year. Of course, the passing of one year and the beginning of another makes for an exciting time, but it also reminds us of just how fragile and limited our lives on this earth really are. We need to trust the Lord God for His wisdom and grace if we are to have any hope of succeeding in His eyes in making our time count for the sake of eternity. For such an occasion, Dr. Whitcomb brought us this very special message from Psalm 90, which was written by Moses as he reflected on his own life, now about 3,500 years ago. So please turn with us to Psalm 90 and consider following the Lord in the new year. How amazing that God should allow us to live to this time in history. In the New Testament times, people expected the coming of the Lord to be very soon, didn't they? How amazing is the long-suffering and patience of God, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's given us 2,000 years since the church began to spread the message, yes, to the ends of the earth, that people might be saved and come to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, amazing when we stop to think about how short life really is. About 3,500 years ago, Moses, the man of God, one of the greatest servants in the history of the world to our God, wrote words that are astounding about the brevity, the shortness, the fragility of life on this earth. Listen to what he said in Psalm 90. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or thou didst give birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting thou art God. Now here's the contrast, friends. God is forever and ever. But look at us, by infinite contrast. Thou dost turn man back into dust, and dost say, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight are like yesterday when it passes by, or as a watch in the night. Look at that contrast. To God, a thousand years is just like a day. To us, friends, a thousand years will wipe us off the face of the earth. The oldest man who ever lived was 969 years, 31 years short of a thousand. And I'm amazed to think that anyone could possibly have lived that long at the beginning of the world. But contrast that with us today, dear friends. And I say, Lord, help me to see myself in your perspective. Contrast us with God. Well, the Apostle Peter, you know, did the same thing. Listen to Second Peter chapter 3, the last chapter Peter ever wrote in the Bible. Second Peter 3.8 Do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. He extends our life so that we can repent, believe, respond, react to his word, obey him, love him, serve him, speak for him, reflect his light into the lives of people around us. Now, some people have said, well, that proves that the days of creation were thousands of years long. No, no, notice what it says here now. It says, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. In other words, that must be a literal day, or the contrast is destroyed. 
God can do in one literal day a thousand years of work. And in a thousand years, he's not a day older because he's infinitely above and beyond us by contrast. And so I say, Lord, I think I see the point here. Compared to you, my lifespan is as nothing. I am fragile, frail, and ephemeral. I'm here just for a moment compared to you. Help me to understand how to relate to you, therefore, how to lock in my life, my heart, my mind, my soul into you. So when you go back to Psalm 90, Moses continues. Verse 5. Thou hast swept them away like a flood. They fall asleep. In the morning they are like grass which sprouts anew. In the morning it flourishes. Oh, look how beautiful that grass is in the morning. And sprouts anew. Toward evening it fades and withers away. In other words, compared to God, our life is just like grass, just like weeds, just like things that appear for a while and then they're gone. Wow, amazing. Now keep reading. Listen to this, verse 7. This is even more serious. It's not how short our life is. It's what kind of a life we have with a sin nature that doesn't automatically, continually joyfully respond to God and his word and his will and his way. Listen to what it says about us. We have to face reality, friends. Look at carefully now. Are you ready? Psalm 90, verse 7. For we have been consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath we have been dismayed. For thou hast placed our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy presence, for all our days have declined in thy fury. We have finished our years like a sigh. How sad. But here's the main thing of the psalm. Now listen to this. How short our life is. Are you ready? As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years. Or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow. For soon it is gone and we fly away. Now that's amazing because you know, as we said, Moses had a remarkable extension of life. He was 80 years old when, the, when he came out of Egypt. And during the 40 years of wandering as he led that nation and tried to admonish them in the word of the Lord, he became very discouraged at times, in fact, very angry at times with Israel's stubbornness of heart. But at times he became so angry that God said, you're finished, Moses. You will not enter the promised land. I'm going to take you aside in a secret place and take your life from, away from you. At which time he was, what, 120 years old. But he is reflecting on the average lifespan here, friends, of people in Israel, which was, what, 70 years, and if due to strength, 80 years. Now, you know David, hundreds of years after Moses, 400 years later, we're told that he was an old man, advanced in age, when he was only 70 Yes, First Kings chapter 1. But think of that. That was 3,000 years ago. A person at the age of 70 was considered, what, advanced in age and, and old? Well, today, friends, we have people that live to be 100, don't we? 100,000 people, I've been told, in America today are 100 years old at least. And I say, Lord, I'm amazed. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But listen back here now to Psalm 90 again. Here's the main thing. Who understands the power of thine anger and thy fury according to the fear that is due to thee? Here's the big one now, verse 12. So teach us to number our days 
that we may present to thee a heart of wisdom. That's the thing. Help us to evaluate, not just count how many days we have in this life, but evaluate them. See them in God's perspective. What kind of days are they? Are they God-honoring days? Do we begin the morning saying, Thank you, Lord, for the night of rest. Guide me throughout this day. End of day, Lord, I, I, I confess I have failed you. Uh, restore me to your favor. Give me rest this night. That, that's what it means to number our days. To do what? To present to thee a heart of wisdom. Now, back in Psalm 39... Verse 4, David said, Lord, make me to know my end, and what is the extent of my days? Let me know how transient I am. You remember, he only lived to be 70. Behold, thou hast made my days as handbreadths, and my lifetime as nothing in thy sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. Surely every man walks about as a phantom, Surely they make an uproar for nothing. He amasses riches and does not know who will gather them. And now, Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in thee. Surely every man is a mere breath. You see, friends, David was not pessimistic about life. He was realistic. He was saying, Lord, help me to to evaluate things truthfully, honestly, in the sight of of your perspectives and what you have intended for me to be on this earth. So when you come back to Psalm 90, there is hope, however, short as our life may be, and some only live for a few days. We realize that, friends. Uh, Some never even see the light of day. Uh, They're killed by their own mothers before they're born. Millions of abortions. How sad. How infinitely sad and tragic. And so Moses goes on to say in Psalm 90, verse 13, Do return, O Lord, how long will it be? Be sorry for thy servants. And so Moses continues in Psalm 90, verse 13, Do return, O Lord, how long will it be? And be sorry for thy servants. O satisfy us in the morning with thy loving kindness, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days thou hast afflicted us, and the years we have seen evil. Let thy work appear to thy servants, and thy majesty to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and do confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. In other words, dear Lord, in spite of the brevity of life, help me to redeem the time to invest every hour, every day, every month, every year, in the will and purpose of my glorious and gracious God. And so, friends, that beautiful Psalm 90 ends with hope. Confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. And friends, that's my prayer. I I am amazed, I'm thankful, I'm humbled to realize how God has watched over me for 87 years. And I don't want to take unfair advantage of that mercy and assume that I'll go on forever. No. Help me to redeem the time that is left for me that I may fulfill the purpose for which God has extended my life. And I say, Lord, thank you. And I pray for people who, like myself, advanced in age, comparatively speaking, 
who perhaps are struggling with different issues, physical issues and, and, and life support problems and situations of life that are difficult, help us to consider your mercy, your grace that's available night and day, moment by moment in your mercy. You know, friends, when we see this, we realize that this is because of the curse People say, well, if, if God is merciful and gracious and loving and powerful, and why, why doesn't he just live, let us live forever? Uh, and the answer, of course, is that we decided not to. What do you mean? In Adam and Eve, who represented us, we said no to God. He had a plan. He gave us a choice. We said no. And we are living representatives uh, of what Adam and Eve did every hour we live. You remember Isaiah 53, verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God hasn't left us helpless, hopeless. He's given us a Savior, the Lord Jesus, who paid for the penalty of our sin on that cross. We daily, hourly, moment by moment, make choices, don't we? And our choices are not always good ones. In fact, very rarely. And I say, Lord, help me to understand not only that life is brief, but it's full of tragic rebellion, disobedience, suppression of your truth, neglect of you, not loving you, not listening to you as we should. And friends, since the Genesis flood wiped out the world that then was, the whole system, universe, solar system, planet Earth, life is going down, down, down. It's trapped in a closed system without anything improving. And that's an amazing thing. Even evolutionists have to agree with the second law of thermodynamics. How can they believe in evolution then? They can't. But everything is going down. The car you bought is deteriorating, disintegrating, collapsing, and become a candidate for the junk heap. You say, Dr. Whitcomb, I'm an exception to that rule. I have improved through the years I've been in this life. I began my life as a tiny speck in my mother's womb, and now look at me, 25 years old, I'm educated and, and I'm functional and I'm an important part of society and even my church. No, wait a minute now, wait a minute. All engineers agree, thermodynamic engineers agree, that you were at your best when you were conceived and you were put into an open system, namely your mother's body that protected you and nourished you until you were born and you were still totally helpless and, and hopefully you were welcomed by a loving father, older brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins. People poured into you tender, loving care, food, medicine, uh, discipline, prayed for you, helped you, encouraged you. And finally, with all this massive help, you grew up. And the net loss of the system, this is thermodynamics now, is such that it'll never recover to get one human being to grow up. And then the bad news is this. We're going downhill. And friends, you say, I'm not going downhill. Uh, I'm not going to get sick and die. Uh, I'm going to start a new health program. Well, health people are dying. Well, I'm going to a faith healer. Faith healers, so-called, are dying. Well, I'm going to Florida. Well, so did we. Everybody in Florida is dying. Friends, it is appointed unto men. Now, here's God's word. Once to die, and after this, the judgment. And friends, just think. When we die... Our loved ones can't stand seeing what's going to happen next. You don't say, give me more time, time. No, no. You disintegrate. Dust thou art, and unto dust 
shalt thou return, Genesis 3. Unrecognizable dust. And I say, Lord, I can't imagine that. I can't even handle that. But no politician, no educator, no scientist can cancel that second law of thermodynamics, except God. There's hope, friends. Listen to this. For those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who rose from the dead on their behalf. Behold, says the Apostle Paul, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep the sleep of death, but we'll all be changed in a moment. The twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we'll be changed. How shall we be changed? First Thessalonians 4. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That is resurrection rapture, the hope. Spread the message all over the world, friends. There's no other hope except in Jesus Christ the Savior. That's one of the main things God wants us to know about the brevity, the shortness, the fragile weakness of our body as life continues year after year. We need the Lord. He's saying, trust me, come unto me, ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you. Learn of me. I am meek and lowly of heart, and you find rest unto your soul. Jesus loves you, dear friend. He loves us all. He paid the price. He says, don't trust in human schemes, methods. You, you don't know if you're going to live another hour, really. Trust in the one who is the resurrection and the life. And I say, Lord, I think I've got the point. Life is brief. Life is short. It'll soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. That's our hope for this new year. May it be a year of blessing, of reaching out to the Savior, listening to his word, reflecting his light into other people's lives, that we may redeem the time, no matter how much time we have. Maybe we won't live through this year. That's God's decision. But may we count every hour precious for his glory. And I say thank you, Lord, for giving me a perspective for this coming year that I won't count on longevity as such, long life, physical health, no, but a relationship to you that is uh, dynamic and evident to people everywhere, in my family, in my neighborhood, my friends, that they too might have that hope of everlasting life through Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever. And so, dear friends, let's follow the Lord in 2012. Just like Moses said 3,000 years ago, Teach us to number our days, that we may present to thee a heart of wisdom. A heart of what? Of wisdom. Listen to God. Believe his word. Reflect his life into the lives of others as we live for him in this new year by the grace of God. We so appreciate that biblical perspective on living in this new year. As you heard, Dr. Whitcomb first prepared this presentation for the new year of 2012, but it's still just as applicable today as we enter into 2024. Psalm 90 is very comforting, but it also warns us about the brevity and seriousness of life. It's wonderful to begin the new year together meditating on the importance of spiritual opportunities and blessings that only the Lord God can provide. In that same light, we rejoice in this opportunity to continue Dr. Whitcomb's legacy of teaching by means of this faith-building broadcast. Our purpose is clear, to provide timeless truths for changing times. Did you know that Dr. Whitcomb answered biblical and theological questions for nearly 70 years? 
Here's one I got to ask him when he first prepared the message we just heard. The question was, what did Moses mean in Psalm 90.10 when he said that soon life is gone and we fly away? Here was Dr. Whitcomb's answer. Amazing, friends, what Moses said, isn't it, in Psalm 90, under the Holy Spirit's inspiration. He said, the days of our life contain 70 years, for soon it is gone, and we fly away. Fly away? Where? What does that mean? How do we fly away? Well, in the Old Testament, even the godliest saints, such as Moses, did not fully comprehend what death involved. They knew they would be in a place of blessing, yes, with the Lord. It was called Abraham's bosom, paradise, upper Sheol, Hades. But they were in the heart of the earth until Jesus himself rose from the dead and brought all those Old Testament believers from Adam and Eve on the way down to John the Baptist. He brought them up to the third heaven where they now reside. And and so today, what happens when we die? We don't go down into the heart of the earth like they did. Uh, We are caught up. Yes, even when we die, our soul spirit goes up to the third heaven where we rest with Jesus. Far better to die, depart, and be with Jesus. Yes, because we're sinless for the first time in our existence, personal existence. But we all look forward to what is called the rapture of the church. When we won't die, we'll be caught up alive. And you remember 1 Thessalonians 4, don't you? The dead in Christ shall rise first, that's resurrection, to glorified body now, could happen any moment, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, raptured, snatched away in the air to meet the Lord, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, and we will be caught up to be with him. So we have a deeper, clearer comprehension of what's coming next than Moses ever did 3,000 years ago when he said that when we come to the end of life, what happens? Life is gone and we fly away, away from this world, this life, this sin nature. So every person who believed in God in the Old Testament, the minute they died, they became sinless, just like today. Every believer who dies becomes sinless. They don't have a body. They can't function. They they are resting in the presence of the Lord They can't function without a body. That is a characteristic that God has planned and designed for the human human nature. We can only function, serve God significantly with a body. So Paul said, even we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we born-again Christians, groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, that is the redemption of our body. He wasn't looking forward necessarily to death, but to what? Resurrection, to serve And so when we are resurrected and glorified by the mercy of God, we can then function for him as kings and priests in the coming kingdom, Revelation 20, verse 4, and we can be priests under Melchizedekian high priest Jesus, kings under the Davidic king Jesus, and we can serve him for a thousand years and then forevermore in his kingdom to come. And I say, Lord, thank you for enlightening us, illuminating our mind that we might understand the significance of what you've told us. And I say, now, Lord, I want to be ready for that day. I want to be prepared. What do I have to do to be sure that when Jesus comes for the church, the body and bride of Christ, I'll be with him forever? Well, friend, it's as easy as this. Just say, yes, Lord, I I accept your gift, your love gift of eternal life. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, 
but have right now and forevermore completely, totally everlasting life. So everlasting life begins, friends, when? The minute you believe in him as your Savior and your Lord. And then you can say, Lord, whenever my life on this earth is over, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be raptured. Yes, that's that's the blessed hope of the church, friends. We can't be sure that we'll be raptured, but we know that some generation, some generation will not taste of death. It's appointed unto men once to die. That's the general rule, yes. But thank God for the exception. Some people have died twice, like Lazarus, you remember? Some people won't die at all. Yes, the bride and body of Christ at the rapture of the church event help us to be prepared to fly away with the Lord Jesus Christ and be with him in glory forevermore. Are you ready, friend? Do you know him? Are you sure that you are prepared and qualified by the Holy Spirit to be in the bride and body of Christ when that great day finally comes? Are you ready? As the new year begins, the Word of God remains true from the beginning to the end. Another constant for which we praise the Lord is the faithfulness of the radio stations and networks and Internet outlets that carry our broadcast each week. So if you are blessed by this program, we encourage you to display your gratitude to these dear partners of Encounter God's Truth. For more teaching by Dr. Whitcomb, or to hear this program again, visit us at sermonaudio.com Whitcomb. You'll also find a multitude of biblical resources on our web pages at whitcombministries.org and facebook.com slash whitcombministries. Join us next week for more uplifting Bible teaching to inform and motivate you in your spiritual walk in this year ahead. Let's get together and be sure to tell a friend. Until then, I'm Wayne Shepherd. May God bless you as you begin this new year with Christ as your guide.